Hello, this is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. From a distance, the world looks blue and green, and the snow-capped mountains white. From a distance, the first American protest songs were sung by African American slaves during long hours of work. They could not openly express their longing for freedom, but they could sing about it. Now, a protest song, well, a song that is associated with the movement for social change. Among social movements that have an associated body of songs are the abolition movement, prohibition, women's suffrage, the labor movement, the human rights movement, civil rights, the Native American rights movement, the Jewish rights movement, disability rights, 1960s counterculture, the feminist movement, the sexual revolution, the gay rights movement, animal rights movement, gun control, drug control, environmentalism, and the anti-war movement, which is our focus today. Anti-war music that inspires, gives hope, changes attitudes, and gathers people to its cause. The artists that create and perform this music couldn't step into the chambers of power to stop the violence, but they could and did sing about it, like Nancy Griffith and the song playing now. The power of music cannot be overstated, can it? And today, Dan Coleman, accomplished Northfield musician, composer, and director, joins me to discuss the power of the anti-war and anti-violence songs of protest. Okay. Okay, all right, we're here. Hello, I'm whispering to Jeff as he's, are you recording this? Okay, welcome to Musician Talk and welcome Dan to Musician Talk. Thanks for Thank joining you. me today. Thanks for having me. Well, this is a different day for me. Uh, I'm not asking a, a, a musician to tell me about their personal lives. We're actually talking about a different topic and you were on Musician Talk. You're, I think, my seventh guest. Oh. Um, in 2020 and so because the second time you've been on to talk about anti-war songs mm-hmm. um and so you're going to talk a little bit about some of the songs in the 60s which you have some memories of actually um because you're a little bit older than me but not much but you don't need to be that much older to to have known to be an old enough child to have known what was going on i was just a little bit too young to know but before we dig into that dan I haven't given you a chance to say anything yet. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I, I did tell you when you asked me to be on that I'm I'm not a expert on anti-war music. I'm not a historian or even a musicologist, but I'm reacting to this from my own personal experience as a person just a little bit, fortunately, a little bit too young to be drafted. And so some of these yeah. some of these songs were were in my life when I was in junior high school and younger high school. And and really. I guess I didn't ask an expert to be on because I wanted to talk to kind of lay people, people that aren't in the music industry, 
about what their feelings about this stuff. And, and mm-hmm. also because mostly because you're a composer and you've written songs um, mm-hmm. uh, that deal with this. Mm-hmm. And also, um, we, I talk a lot on this show about the power of music. And so this is one aspect of the power of music um, that I think we should talk about. And so we are. And right. so here I am. And I'm going to start with the brief history. So I'm going to go. I'm going to have a monologue here. And if you hear anything that you want to add to, or feel free to interrupt me. But I'm just going to go ahead and go through a little brief history of protest music. All right. So as I said in the intro, uh, the first American protest songs were sung by African-American slaves, and they had to hide what they were doing, of course, because if their owners knew, they would be, um, well, whipped or, or worse. Um, and they, songs that seem to be about Old Testament Israelites enslaved in Egypt had a deep meaning to the slaves in the United States as well. Uh, slaves seeking to escape used coded songs to strategically communicate without their owners being able to understand, as I had just said. The um, songs like these were especially helpful for fleeing slaves who utilized the Underground Railroad. In fact, Harriet Tubman uh, was known for using the song Wade in the Water to instruct slaves to carry on uh, through the water, to have their path go through the water instead of on a trail so that the dogs, so heartbreaking to talk about this, Mm -hmm. so that the dogs could not chase them. And hunt them down. Um, so words to that, uh, God's going to trouble the water must be the ones that jo- Moses led. God's going to trouble the water. I think a lot of us have heard weight in the water. Mm-hmm. So African-American spirituals and folk songs continued to serve as avenues of expression throughout the 19th century. Um, Jim Crow laws prevented the ability to speak freely, of course, again. Uh, against segregation in the Ku Klux Klan activity. So singing became one of the only ways to openly state opposition mm-hmm. again. And what's so ironical about the use of those songs is that this was a result of whites pushing our religion on to the I mean, pushing, but, you know, mistreating them and at the same time allowing them supposedly a way out through, you know, eternal salvation. Right. And so they used the Old Testament imagery, like you said, to to share their predicament with each other and to communicate about it. And yet it's, um, it, that's always baffled me. <laughs> right. The, the tie in with Christianity and how it seems to be, uh, when you're talking about Jesus Christ, not necessarily the old Testament, but when you're talking about Jesus Christ, it seems to be antithetical to what he thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, so the, uh, um, uh, where was it? Also oh, in the early 20th century war, and union movements uh, were national topics that bled into the music of, of the time. The working class fought for fair wages and began to unionize in mass numbers. Uh, Joe Hill, he was a labor activist turned songwriter for the Industrial Workers of the World, a group to for- formed to combat the American Federation of Labor's policies. In 1911, he wrote The Preacher and the Slave, which called for working men of all countries unite side by side, we for freedom will fight when the world and its wealth we have gained to the grafters we will sing this refrain. As the years moved on, so did material of the protest song. During the teens uh, of the 20th century, World War I spurred a whole new conversation. Uh, Alfred Bryan's I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier wrote this in protest of joining into the war. Americans did not want to join the, join the European war. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the wor- lyrics to this, I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier. I brought him up to be my pride and joy. Who dares put a musket on his shoulder? <laughs> so powerful. Yeah. After World War I, the Great Depression followed. 
and musicians and artists voiced the pain of the people as the nation suffered through its longest major recession. So the protest kind of went from um, maybe fighting against something to explaining how awful it is, mm-hmm. right? And using using the m- music and the words of music to to let the world know what what how people were suffering. Right, and other art forms like Grapes of Wrath, which I read yes. recently again, and it's exactly. So- it is powerful yeah. these these using art to tell these <clears throat> stories of oppression and and suffering it's it's so powerful in fact folk singer aunt molly jackson is the wife of a kentucky miner during the depression and she she uh, wrote and sang songs about the mining strikes and her song hungry ragged blues how's this here are some lyrics all the women in the coal camps are sitting with bowed down heads ragged and barefooted and the children crying for bread. No food, no clothes for our children. I'm sure this head don't lie. If we can't get more for our labor, we'll starve to death and die. Mm. And these were true words. It wasn't metaphor. It wasn't hyperbole. It was truth of what was going on. So continuing on in the 1940s, Oklahoma-born Woody Guthrie began to make his mark in folk music. And, and that's the beginning kind of of the, of the 60s, which was the heyday of protest, war protest songs. Mm-hmm. Woody Guthrie kind of started that um, and influenced, influenced it. In fact, Bob Dylan was a young man when Guthrie began to suffer from Huntington's disease in the early 60s. Dylan discovered that Gu- Guthrie's whereabouts in a New Jersey hospital and became a regular visitor. Mm. Um, and and from those visits, he he created a lot of songs and right. and was inspired. And he and Joan Baez uh, became two major voices of the various movements in the '60s. Mm-hmm. They sang at civil rights rallies, including the March on Washington, where "I Have a Dream" speech was yep. given by Martin Luther King Jr. Dylan wrote a number of protest songs. We probably recognize a lot of you recognize most of these. The times they are changing, blowing in the wind, talk, uh, talking World War Three blues. I don't know that one. And Masters of War. Pete Seeger, a contemporary of Woody Guthrie, also inspired Dylan, was a significant voice of protest throughout his musical career, and he wrote If I Had a Hammer, which mm-hmm. was made famous by Peter, Paul, and Mary. Waist Deep in the Big Muddy is another one of his. It's a that, powerful. Yeah, exactly. References to Vietnam, even though he's talking about it. It talks about something happening in the 1940s, but it's, he's obviously referring to Vietnam. Interesting. Right, so, yeah. yeah, and who who sang that? Did he did he record I think he that? Sang it, he yeah, re- recorded primarily, it primarily. Yeah. And some of these songs, particularly the ones by Dylan and Peter Paul and Mary, became chop tart chart. Say that ten times. <laughs> chart toppers as well. Exactly. So they were popular music. Right. And folk <clears throat> revival music reigned throughout the rest of the 1960s, before being met with harder rock musicians and bands like Jimi Hendrix, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Um, Hendrix wrote a lengthy song protesting Vietnam War called Machine Gun, mm-hmm. using his guitar to emulate the songs of explosions, screams, yeah, and helicopters. Really, yep, and that's a powerful that song. Yep. So now we're to the 60s where um, you have some, some things to say about uh, some songs during that time, Dan. So I'm going to turn the mic over to you. Okay. Well, I was uh, still pretty young, as I said, uh, although I do... Because Vietnam was on TV, that was the main reason that it was so controversial as opposed to other wars, because people saw exactly what a horrible war is and reacted to it that way on both sides. But um, I was uh, I just recall hearing some some of these songs when I was in junior high for the first time, um, including uh, War by Edwin Starr. War, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Uh, a lot of people remember that one, I'm sure. 
uh, Buffalo Springfield um, saying that I, the title is for what it's worth, and I wouldn't have known it by the title, but it's everybody knows the refrain, Stop Children, What's That Sound? Everybody Look What's Going Around. Oh, yeah. Those were all... I didn't know that was an anti-war song. Yep. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, like I say, I was in junior high, and, and uh, I'm not sure a few of these if, if I knew exactly what what it was about until I actually sat down and listened to him. And we did have a, a debate, I remember, in my eighth grade history class or something, and we had to choose what side of the war we were on <laughs> in mm. that debate. Or maybe they chose for us, and we had to either defend the war or oppose it. And um, that was a, a powerful um, week or two of classes, I remember, where we talked about the war itself. Um, there were some later songs uh, when I was in, younger in high school. Uh, Pink Floyd has a song called Us and Them, which was very powerful um, to me. I remember hearing that for the first time and realizing what it was about. Um, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Fortunate Son, about how some of us are born, if we're, if we're a politician's son, especially we might have found a way out of the war, and we know many right. politicians who, who did that and who and people with money. Willing to, yep. Um, One of our presidents. Right. Saying. So those were, those were very um, interesting days as a young person to think about. You have this species. first song that we're going to play called Lucky Man, and um, I didn't even know that this song actually was an anti-war song. Right. Why don't you it's, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's not specific to any, any war. It's not an anti-Vietnam War song, um, but it's... It, it really hit me when I first heard it, partly because of the use of the Moog synthesizer, Moog synthesizer which is one of the first times it was used in, in popular music. Um, that solo by Keith Emerson, which we'll hear in a minute, which is really powerful, although Emerson played that one time and was hoping to redo it, and apparently they, they took that without his <laughs> consent. <laughs> oh, really? So he would have maybe done it differently, although I don't hear anything wrong with it. Um, Greg Lake wrote this song, and he actually wrote it in 1959, um, when he was 12 years old, his wow. parent, his mom had told him he could get a guitar, and he learned the four main, main easy chords on the guitar, G, D, E minor, and A minor, and wrote the song with the lyrics uh, when he was 12 years old. It's pretty amazing to think about that. And the song itself is, um, <clears throat> until you get to the end, you don't really realize what it's about because it's talking about how lucky this person is. It sort of has a medieval feel to it, partly because of the chords he used and the the melody and then the lyrics, um, he had white horses and ladies by the score, all dressed in satin and waiting by the door. Ooh, what a lucky man he was. That re- that refrain occurs at the end of every verse. Um, and the th- second verse is similar about how he had, uh, you know, uh, riches and uh, fame. And then the third verse, he went to fight wars for his country and his king of his honor and his glory. The people would sing. And even at that point, you don't really know what's going to happen in the final Final verse, after saying again, ooh, what a lucky man he was, and sounds lucky up to that point. The final verse, a bullet had found him, his blood ran as he cried, no money could save him, so he lay down and he died. Ooh, what a lucky man he was, and then lucky man is, of course, very ironical at that point. So it's not specific to any war itself, it's just talking about how, and it does make you think of of any young person, especially men, who've fought in wars more than women, of course, up to this point, but what it's like to be, you know, growing up and maybe having uh, all the privileges that many young white men in America had uh, growing up and then realizing um, at age 17, 18, if a war is about to happen or um, is happening, that you might have to be a part of it and how drastically everything changes. It takes everything away. Yeah. Everything, including your life of yep. your young people. And the so. life of your friends or your limbs or whatever. 
So let's take a listen to the song, um, Lucky Man, mm-hmm. by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Yep. <clears throat> Yeah, I had uh, fun. Oh, wow. He had uh, 
Keith Everson had uh, uh, Keith Ward. Oh, yeah. The ancient sure. Jerry Ford. That was just how as sure as that. <laughs> yeah, he and Rick played together for yeah. years and virtuoso players, and then they had all these just yeah. such a unique sound. So. Yep. I haven't listen, listened to a Burning to the Center of the Earth in a long time. I've got to read this one. Here we go. We've got about 10 seconds. Yeah, thank you. Hi, this is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. And today I'm talking with Dan Coleman about the history of and listening to some anti-war protest songs. And so, Dan, we're back. Now, um, the next song you have to you picked out to play is Someday, but why don't we talk a little bit more about what, what you found out or what you remember about those days um, uh, in the 60s when all these songs were coming out. Mm-hmm. Well, um like I say, I was I was young enough to um, not have to worry myself about being in in the war. Although, of course, it, I did have a draft number, and um, as I was maybe a junior, I think I got my number when I was a junior in high school, just about the time the draft was ending. Oh. Um, so oh. I I never really had super angst about it. Although I had a neighbor um, two two houses down from me who was severely injured in the war, uh, came home, and they I remember they customized a van for him so he could drive because he was, par- um, he was at least paralyzed from the waist down. I think he had other issues um, in the upper body too, but but he was mentally capable, and he ended up getting killed in a car accident actually a couple of years later up in the oh. cities. I don't know if it was related to the fact that he was in a, a, a vehicle that was, you know, maybe more prone to accidents or whatever. Right. So that hit me pretty hard. He was, he was older than me, of course, but his brother was a pretty good friend of my brother's, so we uh the legacy of war on our young men and now women now that they're in combat um yep. is long lasting it sure is yeah and so i didn't ever forget that and then again as i said the a lot of the footage of the war on television i remember there was a point where my parents encouraged us not to watch the news <laughs> as yeah. we were um being affected by it and my parents were quite conservative so um, especially when we watched the, the song that's coming up, um, when we watched the Democratic National Convention in 68, um, my parents were um, were pretty much taking the side of the police and feeling that, you know, these young uh, hippies, you know, are anti-American and they need to be dealt with. I don't think that my parents were in favor of the violence and that you just saw right there happening on the screen. Uh, but yet they, you know, they were old enough. They were probably mid-30s at that point and these younger people <laughs> were right. opposing the country that they, you know, believed in and loved. So that they perceived that they're against the country and they were against exactly, the war. Because we were all being fed, you know, that this is fighting communism and right. for our freedoms. Of course, we know now from, well, we, many people knew back then, but especially since um, Ken Banks documentary on Vietnam, which obviously shows what a, what a farce it all was and how sad it is that so many lives were lost. And we always think of the American lives, but of course there were mil- over a million Vietnamese killed in that war and their mm-hmm. lives upended. So I just remember, you know, the war was in the news constantly. And and the fact that I was interested in music and really getting interested in pop and rock music at that time, um, hearing these songs really, really had a big impression on me. And then even the ones you couldn't understand the lyrics as well, although most of these you could, I would go out and find find the lyrics or find the albums and 
read through them with friends and discuss them. And was, you know, I um, wonder with the conservative parents that you have, if and you are not, you're a very progressive person. Um, yeah, back if, then I might if not the, have been. <laughs> if the music, though, if that was part of your evolution to... I really think so. Yeah. Yeah, because it wow. made you think about it in a different way than what you heard it at the from the pulpit at my church or wherever it was. And that's exactly the People point of it, isn't it? That yeah, music is exactly. to change minds. Right. That's the, and that's the power of artistic expression and the, f- the freedom we have to express ourselves that way in this country. I was reading where the next song we're about to listen to is still partially blocked on YouTube in certain countries like Syria and Iran and uh, North Korea, Cuba. Wow. <laughs> so... Yeah. What about this song, do you think? It's called Someday by Chicago, right? Yeah, it's kind of an odd choice. A lot of people might not know it as, as well as some of the other anti-war songs, but I was really into Chicago because I was a trombone player, partly, um, and I <laughs> loved the brass. And I've talked to several other uh, brass players who, like me, sat in their basement and tried to figure out these parts on our horns right. as we were listening to them. But I also got a good dose of uh, politics from these songs because that's uh, what's what a lot of artists were about back in the late 60s, of course. So this song um, is called Someday. Um, It's actually based on a chant that was happening during the um, Democratic National Convention in 68, The Whole World's Watching. Um, And actually, we're not going to listen to the whole prologue, but there's about a minute, minute's worth of actual footage, um, audio footage from that um, protest outside of the Democratic National Convention in Chicago where the crowd thousands of course are chanting the whole world's watching the whole world's watching and chicago took that and made watching the downbeat as you'll hear because there's just a little speck of it that we'll hear right before the song starts and on the word watching they start their song and then they bring it back in the middle too but their song is about what's happening that day and uh, how we have to rise up and and protest this horrible war okay i'm very curious if i pick the right version to send to jeff we'll find out um Oh. Of this song. So, should we take a listen?
This is Polly Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. And with me today is Dan Coleman, and we're discussing protest songs in particular. We're right now we're talking about war protest songs. And you just heard a Chicago song called Someday. And I, I, the juxtaposition of the Oz that are kind of sound happy mm-hmm. uh, against the line of heads come crumbling down is, is jarring to me. Right. And it, what's interesting about this is it's, it's not an anti-war song in the, in the usual sense, but they're protesting the treatment of the anti-war protesters, sure. which many of us saw on TV. I remember watching that with my parents sitting right next to me and watching many of these police just just coming coming in and just beating the heads of these protesters. And um, it was really, really powerful to me as a 12-year-old to see that happen. Um, the, the brass, as I said, was a big part of it for me, and the, the, the dissonant chords there really really hit me too and made me realize what a struggle it was and right. uh, mike wallace um was at that convention he got punched in the face i mean it was just a crazy uh crazy time so even journalists were you know were not safe well and the, uh, the thought of like coming down on these war protesters because they're protesting a war that they have nothing to do with that they're mm-hmm. being sent to without consent Yep. I mean, why wouldn't you protest that, <clears throat> right. right? I mean, it, I don't know, yeah. it seems so obvious that young men would say no, 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 no. Right. And it didn't matter if you were in a famous band, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If your number came up, you were sent. So yeah. all these right. musicians that were kind of around that age right. that were playing then, they had <clears throat> the worry that they themselves were going to be going over there. Right. So, of course, they're like, no, right. no. Unless you were protected by your status or whatever, or your bone, it, bone spurs, as one of our former presidents okay. has exactly. claimed. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that. And yep. I'm going to turn thank on you. to, I mean, th- this is a topical uh, subject because of the war in Ukraine right now and the people that are suffering right th- over there um, by the Russians inva- r- invasion. Yep. And so that was one of the, the reasons that it, it struck me or hit me that, you know, it'd be a good cu- subject to talk about and to talk about the history of it. Yeah, because war's um, not over. No, it's not. And also, even though I think Biden just said we're not at war anymore, I, I, I think we are still very heavily engaged around the world in mm-hmm. quite a few armed conflicts. So mm-hmm. um, people are still dying out there from from war. Mm-hmm. Call it any other name you want to, but mm-hmm. it's war. Yep. And, um, and, by, and by guns. And so I want to just take you through some uh, some things that are going on right now and have been going on uh, since this war in Ukraine started uh, as it relates to music. So, um, and also I just want to say too that the, the, the creative people in this world, the artists in this world, they really do help us help us wrap our minds around ideas, thoughts. And sometimes around the unthinkable, which is gets to our topic, war, mm-hmm. which is unthinkable. We do it anyway, but it's unthinkable. Mm-hmm. The Russian assault on Ukraine falls into that category. A power-hungry despot, of course, leads Russia, I'm not going to say his name, uh, leading a superpower into a smaller, less powerful land, killing and destroying people just like you and me. Um, so people are starting to use music to decry this war as well. And I'm going to go through just a couple of things that have, um, have been happening. Great. So um, playing James Taylor, Never Die, Taylor's Never Die Young, and going back to songs that marked the anti-war movement in the 60s, author Hakuri Mar- I'm sorry, I'm going to not get this right, but Murakami, I think Haku- 
uh, Murakami is right. He wrote The Nightingale, added his voice to protest. This was in March, in the middle of March, um, in Ukraine with a special edition of his Japanese radio show. Uh, and he said, does music have the power to stop war? Sadly, the answer is no. But it has the power to make listeners believe that war is something we must stop, mm-hmm. which I like that mm-hmm. quote. Uh, Zemfira, one of Russia's leading rock star, rock artist, re- released an anti-war music video amid her country's invasion, right, right as it was happening, mm. and d- took down all her music on, the, on YouTube and only kept up the, uh, the anti-war stuff. Mm. Um, and she, of course, now is not in Russia. She had to, had to flee. And her quote is, don't be silent. In this crumbling ground, we will die. Don't be silent. Um, and... Uh, she originally sang this s- song during the Russia's war with Chechnya. Chechnya. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she brought that back out. Um, and Russia has clamped down hard on the anti-war sentiment since it launched the invasion on February 24th. Uh, it's banned referring to um, the special, quote-unquote, special military operation as war or invasion. You cannot refer to it in the paper, in your songs, no matter what. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're doing that, you better leave the country. Right. And so that's right. what this artist needs to do. Uh, in middle of uh, this, the anthem's going to be coming up here, Jeff. Um, the opera singers got together, uh, Ukrainian opera singers, and it, because there was a protest in Lviv, Lviv, L-V-I-V, I'm not sure how to say that, in western Ukraine on March 15th to sing their national anthem. And let me just give you the words to that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ukraine's glory hasn't perished, nor freedom, nor will. Upon us, fellow kin, fate shall smile once more. Our enemies will vanish like dew in the morning sun, and we too shall rule, brothers, in a free land of our own. Because, of course, Ukraine's been trying to be free of Russia for so long. So, of course, that would be part of their national anthem. We lay down our souls and bodies to attain our freedom, and we'll show that we, brothers... Are of the Kozak Kazakh line. We'll lay down our souls and bodies to attain our freedom. So, and here it is. They the opera certainly singers. lived up to that too. Yeah, it's no amazing. kidding. And here's the opera singer singing this in um, Ukraine. <laughs>
just so you know, that, um, there are women involved in that. Opera, uh, some op- women opera singers, they must be singing it down an octave like where I sing. Um, and uh, because you can't hear the high voices. Right. But, I know they also sang that at the Met, I think. Um, the whole cast came out and sang it before is, whatever they were doing. Um, yeah. They might have been doing Tchaikovsky's uh, opera, too, which is interesting. I think that the, the Ukraine, the Ukraine um, national song is being sung by a lot uh, – yeah, across the world the place, by yeah. all sorts of right. um, choirs and orchestras that if they have some voices yeah. or they're just playing it yeah. in solidarity. And that's what I'm talking about. Exactly what I'm talking about right here <clears throat> are these different things happening throughout the world uh, in protest. Mm-hmm. And uh, another item is that Ukrainian hardcore punk band Beton updated the clashes London calling into Kiev calling. And uh, the Guardian pointed out that the surviving members of the Clash gave that ba- the band Baton from Ukraine, um, if that's how you say it, it's B-E-T-O-N. Mm-hmm. They gave them their blessing to rework the song. Yeah. Um, and now it's saying, Kiev calling to the whole world, come out of neutrality, you boys and girls. Um, and so I thought that was pretty cool that the Clash, that they actually got in, right. you know, in touch with <clears throat> them, asked sure. them, the yep. Clash said, absolutely take it, run with it. Um, it says right here, one of the members of this of the group, Baton, said, many Ukrainian musicians are now on battlefields or in territorial defense. That's what we're talking about. doesn't matter what you do. Mm-hmm. If you're called up, you have right. to go. They've changed guitars to guns. We hope this show, song shows Ukrainian spirit and our defiance to Russian aggression. So uh, you can look that one up. I'm not playing that one today, oh. but um, oh. you should definitely look that up. Mm-hmm. All right. And then um, Okiet Elzy is maybe Ukraine's biggest rock band. And back in 2015, they released a powerful video about the first time that Russia was knocking on their door. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. Uh, and so they, re- they just re-released that now. Mm-hmm. And March 17th, artists, including Liev, Liev, Lviv uh, in Western Ukraine, Symphony Orchestra, just like oh. we were talking to, uh, uh, performed the Russian a national song mm-hmm. and we wanted to they said Ukraine. that we wanted to show the whole world how strong ukraine is we also have a deep-rooted culture we have a lot to say to the world said the artist um and uh taiwanese musicians and singers performed in front of the russian representative office building that took some guts wow in taipei um to protest the invasion mm-hmm. right away when it happened uh, we hope more people around the world could unite to stop this war, one of the performing singers, Lo Sarong, said, so that the sufferings of the innocent people will stop. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it, that is the core of all this. Yep. The anti-war so- and stopping right. wars. And the power of music is why many of these artists are targeted when, when they start to speak out. And it happened to um, during Vietnam, too, that many were silenced or brought before the the McCarthy Tribunal and things like that. That's Pete right. Seeger and others. You know. That's right. They did. The people in power wanted the war to happen, and so they wanted to silence anybody that said not yeah. to. And it wasn't right. because to save the world from communism, but mm-hmm. that's what they used. Yeah. So last, the the song I do want to play is um, Maria Servenko <laughs> and Latvian Voices singing this uh, Ukrainian folk song. And um, let's see what I have here. Gathered in the center of Lviv, in Western Ukraine on Sunday, this is in uh, March, uh, mid-March, 
to sing the country's. Oh no, that's the. Sorry, I'm reading the wrong thing. Here we go. Uh, this is what this is the song I'm going to play. Maria Savenko, and it's a, a Ukrainian folk song. And what they wrote in their under on their YouTube channel that they're playing this on. It says, "Dear acapella community, acapella are the choirs out there that sing without back, uh, backing instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, are all around the world. We invite you to join us in the movement of solidarity with Ukraine and its music. Choose a song for Ukrainian music, sing it, and make a video and share it. And so." Uh, that's they're trying to get the word out, and by doing uh, and by doing this song, um, they're hoping to do so. The the words of this folk song I'm going to give the, those to you, and then we're going to play the song. It's called "Oh Little Field, the Field Ripped with Bullets," and on that field, two Cossacks were killed. One Cossack killed is from a rich family. The second Cossack killed was a poor orphan. Rich one is wearing an embroidered shirt, and the orphan has nothing. The whole family weeps over the rich son, and over the orphan son a black raven croaks. Oh, little field, field covered with fog, and on that field two Cossacks were killed. It tells you that their folk songs, uh, what a struggle that their country's had, that this is what their folk songs are about. Yes, right. It's pretty, pretty powerful and bleak, but it, this is a beautiful rendition. So, Jeff, if you could play that one, that'd be great. Ой, полечко, поле, все кулями зрито, а на тому полі два козаки
This is Musician Talk on KYMN, and I'm Pauline Jennings. Dan Coleman and I are discussing protest songs today. You just heard Maria Savenko and the the group called Latvian Latvian Voices sing a Ukrainian folk song uh, to show their solidarity with the Ukrainian people and uh, the pain and heartache they're going through right now with uh, the Russian invasion. And I have to say how cool it is that here we are in small town Minnesota, and we just people out there just heard her sing that song and the Latvian voices sing that song and I all I can say is I am in I stand in solidarity with them as well yep yeah so Dan um one inspiration for me to do this show is to talk about Ukraine and um and the war there and other uh, anti-war songs but also the anti-violence side of this too it's not just anti-war songs as I talked about in the history, there's been all sorts of reasons for protest songs. Mm-hmm. War is just one. Mm-hmm. And so we have a vigil coming up on Saturday, April 9th, that I also wanted to talk about during this show in regards to a song that you wrote for this same kind of vigil or same kind of get-together a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, this is, um, let me just read the, 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 promo, the promo information here about this vigil, which is put on by Moms Demand Action, which is a, a, a group in North, the local group in Northfield. Mm-hmm. Um, the prevalence of gun violence in the U.S. has eroded our safety and our trust in strangers, in law enforcement, in institutions, even in our, na- even in our neighbors. Well, we have a relative sense of safety in Northfield. Certainly we do. We're not immune to the tragedies of loss and acknowledge the suffering and division caused by the epidemic of gun violence nationwide. So really this, vi- this vigil is to honor those that have died through gun violence. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's 4.30 on Saturday, April 9th at Bridge Square. We're going to have, there'll be some music and uh, Todd Lippert will be speaking as well as Julie Nyworth, who is the president of the chapter here in Northfield. Local chapter. Right. Yep. And the song that you wrote, um, we're going to hear today um, for this kind of event mm. a couple of years ago. Right. It's a song that you you requested that I write. I um, did. Back in 2020, I remember. <laughs> it was for a, a virtual event at that time. It was right in the middle of COVID, of course, um, called Wear Orange. Um, it was, as you said, it was an event to remember those who have been taken by gun violence, not just... Uh, the big events that we hear about, school shootings, et cetera, but uh, all kinds of uh, senseless loss of life uh, through domestic violence, uh, suicide, uh, people who are broken, either either angry or depressed, and um, who have access to guns that shouldn't be able to get guns so easily. That's the main message, I think, of of this song and of uh, what the national organization Moms Demand Action is about. Um, so this is, a, as you said, the local chapter that's sponsored this. Two years ago, we made just a quick demo of this. Um, it's all we had time for, and I sang it. Uh, we have redone it <laughs> recently at your home studio mm-hmm. with a, a much better vocalist, um, a local uh, artist named Audrey Lane Gattaz. Audrey grew up here uh from age 10, and she's now at St. Olaf. She's a senior there. 
sings in the Salem of Choirs, a soloist with them, a wonderful singer, wonderful soul, and we were excited to have her agree to uh, come and yes. record this just with piano, so it's still a demo. We'd like to do an even better recording someday of it. Um, the song is called What Could Be, and it's just um, a bunch of questions about how our world could be different. Um, and each verse starts with a, a question and ends with a question. Um, the four, I'll just give you the four opening lines. What could be sadder than knowing it's happened again? What would be safer than keeping the guns from the hands of those who are lost in their grief or their raging? Third verse, what would be wiser than to promise ourselves every day to work even harder to make our voice stronger? And then the final verse, what would be better than knowing we've done all we could to craft our laws justly to treat each one fairly, etc.? And I've I've done I thought about this during the folk song we just listened to. It's it's a technique that um, songwriters and composers use a lot to increase the in- emotional intensity of a song. We often uh, might sing it in a certain key and then take it up a half step or a whole step, which is what just happened in the folk song. In in my song, the first two verses are in the home key of D, and then it goes up to E <coughs> flat in the third verse and up to F. I think in the in the last verse. This is a technique used in gospel gospel music. Exactly. Used all in all kinds time. of music. Yes. In fact, they won't even plan on it. The director will just, he'll take that finger or sheet and just go yeah. and point it to right. the sky <laughs> and the band will go, okay, here we go again. Right. And the choir is yeah. going up and up and yep. up and it's getting more and more powerful. Right. And if you, you have good musicians it. who can just do that off their head, then they can do it on a signal like that. <laughs> That's right. Rehearsing That's right. Or whatever. So. Well, uh, should we take a listen to it? It's sure. I guess that's all I need to say about it. You'll hear the words very clearly because of Audrey's incredible yes. diction. And, well, um, and we could talk voice, more about so. it afterwards as well. This is sure. called What Could Be, written by my guest today, Dan Coleman. What could be sadder than knowing it's happened again? Four more taken and many more shaken with the anguish of wondering when this will end. Sanity falters, then hate pulls a trigger to do what should never happen. Oh, what could be sadder than knowing it's happened again? What would be safer than keeping the guns from the hands of those who are lost in their grief or their raging who choose a dark path that we can't understand what would be smarter than if we came together to imagine a sensible plan oh what would be safer than keeping the guns from the hands What would be wiser than to promise ourselves every day To work even harder to make our voice stronger to honor the ones who've been taken away Maybe better 
musician talk and you just heard audrey lane guitars sing dan coleman's original song called what could be and today we're talking about protest music and uh this this song dan wrote for uh an event that we had a couple years ago uh, talking about or, and uh, or talking dealing with violence in america and specifically gun violence boy that was hard to say <laughs> what a wide range of music we've had on the show today I mean, yeah. seriously, from Emerson Lake and Palmer, huge production to Dan on the piano singing or playing <laughs> the, the piece with, with Audrey, voice and, and piano. That's what a, I love that. I love <clears throat> that. So, um, and it's, and it is a beautiful song. And, and it's, Thank you. and it's, um, I like the, the way that you have put the, the, the melody into, um, and the words into the melody, I'm having a hard time speaking right now. I guess if the show's been longer than 45 minutes, I, I fall apart. <laughs> but um, just the melody and, and how, how it's just so smooth that you got a lot. You have you say a lot without it being feeling like you're saying a lot. I guess that's what I yeah, want to Yeah, you say. try to find music that will match the emotion of the song. And I, I didn't want – this isn't a hard-hitting anti-war song necessarily. It's a song to hopefully make us think about – you know, how we could make the world better. And the, and the main focus of Moms Demand Action is to craft legislation or to eventually get to the point where we can have some sort of legislation that allows for less access to guns from people who shouldn't have access to guns. It's not right. taking away guns from anybody who, you know, is sane to own them, but it's talking about how we shouldn't have such easy access to firearms. And a big focus, too, of the group is about gun safety. And yes. so if you do have guns in your home, because it's one of the leading causes of death of children is accidental right. gun, getting shot accidentally by guns, is that you lock them up. Right. And so there, people, please lock up your guns. There should be legislation, too. And the focus for this vigil on Saturday, April 9th, is is to honor the, the people that have passed, the people yes. in our lives, and also the other victims, which are the people that love those course, that have been taken away. Of course, still, still I, uh, thinking about it. Yep. Yes. My nephew died by suicide um, six years ago now, and... Mm-hmm. It, it's never really out of anybody in our family's mind for very long. Mm-mm. And and maybe if he didn't have that gun, that, it wouldn't have ended up that uh, way. And that's so right. that's the reason I'm part of this and that I find it so important. Um, and so I, and why I'm requesting you to t- come and join us on uh, Saturday, April 9th at 4.30 p.m. at Bridge Square. We'll have, like I said, Todd Lippert, who's representative from 20B in Northfield, District 20B in Northfield, will be there speaking. We'll have uh, Julie Nyworth. She's a professor at Carleton, and uh, she's the president of the chapter of Moms Demand Action here in Northfield. Speak, and we'll have some songs. We'll have some choirs there. Who knows what's uh, – it's still kind of mm-hmm. evolving, but yeah. it's going to be a, a great event. Yes, it will. So – in closing, I think that's it. I just want to um, thank you, Dan, so much for coming and ask you if there's anything else that you that you wanted to say that you didn't have a chance to say today. Well, I guess it's just if anybody's 
out there is like me and wishes they were more politically active in some of these issues. Mm. Um, maybe this war in Ukraine could be the catalyst for that. Maybe this event at Bridge Square on Saturday could help you to realize the importance of these issues. And, and that's why people are willing to put in the time. And, and that's why people like Pauline have shows like this to talk about these kind of issues, because we can't just ignore, we can't call ourselves human beings and ignore these um, situations that we could be very instrumental in changing. So I'm encouraging people to become more active in these issues. Well, beautifully said. I think we'll leave it right there. That's perfect. Thank you, Dan, very much. Thank you. From a distance, I can't comprehend what Thankfully, there are many groups helping Ukrainian refugees. A lot of scams out there, so do do some research before donating. One legitimate organization I found is CARE at www.care.org. Thank you to the wonderful Dan Coleman for joining me today for this important conversation. And many, many thanks to you for listening to Musician Talk on The One, KYMN. All the best to you and yours. The song of every man. 95.1 The One. More music, better.